Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 272 with Ryan Carson. I think you'll love this chat with Ryan because one, he's just a fun guy. And two, he has seen a lot of learners learn a lot of things and has some insights into what makes learning happen and how that can be optimized. What you expect in your own experience and some comforting perspectives along the way. So you'll learn one, the number one thing that prevents people from learning. Two, how to embrace the discomfort that comes from learning. And three, just how long it takes to learn coding anyway. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F272. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I hope you'll check out some of our cool things. One cool thing at point two is the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course, which takes a collection of the most actionable bite-sized nuggets I share in my enhanced thinking collaboration training programs, which tend to slash on average about 86 minutes of wasted time per person per week out of there. So those are kind of condensed, digested, and, and put in a fun little email to read once a day for 10 days over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here is Ryan's story. Ryan Carson is the CEO and founder of Treehouse, where their mission is to bring effective, valuable, and accessible technology education to everyone so they can change their lives and change the world. Big thanks to Ryan for sharing his wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Ryan. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. It's an honor. I cannot wait to chat. Oh, me too. So I've been uh, looking forward to this one for a while. And I see in your fun fact, you mentioned that you are an Eagle Scout. I'd love to know, is that uh, something that comes in handy frequently or any interesting <laughs> stories or significance here? It's funny because uh, I had kind of forgotten I was an Eagle Scout for a large part of my life. I moved to England for 12 years and people don't even start campfires in England. So my Boy Scout skills were not really needed. And then I came back to America and I have two amazing boys and I thought, you know, we should maybe try to get back into Boy Scouts and we'll see. And so we went and I uh, went to the meeting and I said, you know, I, I was an Eagle Scout kind of, you know, kind of whispered it. And uh, the Scoutmaster looked at me and he's kind of stood up straight and he said, Ryan, you are an Eagle Scout. <laughs> 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 and I just made me smile. You know, it's just, I thought that was so great. So it's just fun knowing, gosh, I know how to start fires and survive and I don't love kind of the kind of the sad part of how Boy Scouts have kind of ended up on the side of some political issues that make me a little sad. But uh, but I love the organization and the idea of integrity and, and hard work and being kind and all those kind of things. So yeah, I'm glad I did it. My dad made me finish to be an Eagle Scout, really. He kind of uh, said, Ryan, you're going to finish this whether you want to or not. So I'm, I'm thankful to my dad. Well, yeah, I remember my brother stalled for a little while with the project, but all's well that ends well. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah, good yeah. hustle. It's, you know, well, now I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember if he finished it or didn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. I think he is an Eagle That's Scout. Me. Present tense. That's just sad. I feel Present sad. Tense. I was well, the younger brother. I wasn't keeping tabs <laughs> as much. <laughs> That's okay. I won't blame you. Well, so now speaking of, of outdoor things, uh, or maybe not at all. So you are the CEO and co-founder of a business called Treehouse. Now, do you make treehouses or, or what are you about there? 
Sometimes I wish we did, but no, we are an online school and our students are adults who are looking to change their lives by learning how to code. So uh, we have 80,000 enrolled students. So we've gotten kind of big, been working on it for eight years. And uh, I love my job. I kind of skip to work every day. Oh, that's cool. Well, so now I want to I want to dig deep into this uh, learning to code business, as well as kind of learning and skill acquisition even more broadly. But first, I'm a little curious when it comes to sort of educational opportunities or, or where learning happens. You know, you have a point of view which I find very intriguing, and in, in that you say that you call the question, "Where'd you go to school?" A cruel and dangerous one. What's the story here? Yeah, this really struck me a couple weeks ago. So the whole premise of Treehouse is founded upon my experience, which was I was very privileged. I had this amazing family that encouraged me to go to college. When I was in college, I studied computer science, you know, which is an amazing pick because there's just a million jobs. And I did that. And then I left college and I got my first job and I realized I did not need my computer science degree to do that job. It was like getting an electrical engineering degree to be an electrician. It's just not needed. Coding and making apps is not computer science. For the most part, it's a trade skill. And it just struck me, something's really wrong here. All these people are going to college and spending a huge amount of money and getting a job that you don't need the degree. Something's not right. And it bugged me. So fast forward about five years later, I decided I want to try to solve that problem and see if I can give people the skills to get a job without all the expense of, of a college degree. And I'm not anti-college. I'm just pro-person, right? You know, I want someone to be able to get a job so they can support their family without student debt. So began this journey. Now, fast forward, you know, to 2018, you know, we've got, um, you know, tens of thousands of students, and we've made a lot of progress in giving people the skills to get a job. And I was having a conversation with a woman at a, an event, and she said, you know what? I was an executive assistant. I don't have a college degree. And it was really hard to get above the administrative role. Every time I tried to get out of that job and do a operational role, they would ask me what my degree was or where I went to school. And she said, it's worse than that. Everyone that I run into at work, when they're kind of looking for something to say, to make small talk, they say, hey, so where'd you go to school? And she's like, I didn't go to school. I, mean, I don't have a degree. And this would happen once a day. I hear you. And I just thought, you know, that is a brutal kind of statement that none of us even realized was hurting people. And, and I think we need to unwind this idea that you need to go to college to be successful and that you're, you're less of a person if you haven't done that. Okay. Well, thank you. That's a great perspective in terms of, of, you know, hey, what's the person on the receiving end of that question thinking, feeling if they didn't go to school or if they went to a school that maybe has less, I don't know, prestige or selectivity than the predominant school in the room, you know? Right. Right. Oh, yeah, what's exactly. Notre Dame? Where did you go? Oh, I went to um, Northeastern something state something. It was like, right. oh, oh. You, you know, Ooh. right. <laughs> or a community college. Yeah. Oh, you know, and it, none of it's fair and none of it maps to reality. I mean, we're doing this interview. I haven't asked you what your degree is. It doesn't matter. And I've had very few conversations in my professional life where it's at all relevant. It's all about what is your work? You know, I want it to be on this podcast because of your work. And uh, it's just, 
I think we need to change the conversation and realize, oh, okay, we just should care about what people have done and if their behaviors are correct. So I'm excited to excited to help unlock that. Well, that's cool. And it's it's great that there, you know, you're out there and you are creating opportunity for folks to do the advancement, you know, in that realm by acquiring the, the trade skill of coding. So I'd love to get your take then. I imagine with 80,000 students, you've learned a thing or two about <laughs> what makes people successful when they are, are setting out to to learn something or, or acquire some new skills. So I'd, I'd love it if you could share some of the most actionable takeaway tidbits that would be helpful for listeners who are trying to, to learn some new stuff or pick up some extra skills. You know, what are some do's and don'ts? You bet. The very first one is a mental exercise. So the number one thing that stops people from learning how to code is not math skill. It's not analytical skill. It is mental state of mind. And what, what I mean by that is most people will say, okay, I've heard coding is exciting. I've heard there's 1.3 million jobs. I've heard that these jobs pay $90,000 or more. I want in. And so they try it and then they get a little bit of way in and then they think, gosh, I don't know if I can do this. All these people in the industry are, they seem really advanced and they all seem like they know what they're doing. And I just can't see myself doing that. And so they quit and it has nothing to do with their capability, the amount of time they have or their financial ability uh, to pay for school. It's everything to do with whether their mind says they can. So what you need to do is envision yourself actually in that job. And it sounds kind of, you know, hokey, but it's important to write it down and say, I am going to be a web developer, a mobile developer, a coder in 12 months time. And I'm going to be sitting at a desk in a uh, beautiful tech company earning $70,000, dollars $90,000, and I'm going to be successful and plant that flag mentally. I really believe in our mind's ability to either unlock or close doors. So that's where you start. Actually envision yourself doing it. Okay. So, so doing it now, maybe it's acquiring the role. Maybe it's doing the thing that you feel like maybe you can't do right now, but Hey, I will be communicating confidently to groups of senior executives, you know, or, or I will be at a cool tech company you know, doing my thing. So, all right. So you envision it and, and you write it down, you stake it with the flag in your mind. So that's sort of step one to give you a bit of, of resilience against the, oh, I don't know if I could do this. So then what else? And then the idea is you have to accept that there's going to be a consistent level daily work involved and you're not going to want to do it all the time. Uh, it's very similar to working out. So to go through any sort of learning transformation, um, it'll feel like going to the gym where it's kind of exciting and fun for about seven days. And then you realize, gosh, this is hard work. And you know, my kids you know, are having trouble right now in school, I'm just going to set this aside and, and focus on that. Or gosh, work's kind of crazy. I'm, I'll, I'll come back to this. And you have to t tell yourself at a time, I'm going to want to quit. Yes. And so when my, I say that to myself, I want to quit. You say, I knew I was going to say that and I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to commit to just doing another day. So I'm going to spend another hour tomorrow and that's all I'm going to commit to, you know, and then 
I spend an hour tomorrow and then I'm going to commit to another hour the next day. So it really is a marathon that you run kind of a step at a time and commit to taking the next step and that's it. And I think those are, those are two of the keys to actually transform your life, whether it comes to learning coding or becoming an executive or selling something or transforming your body. It really is astonishing what we can do if we get over our minds, you know, roadblocks. Okay. I really like that. Thank you. So those are some sort of foundational cornerstones with regard to setting the the groundwork for for persistence and making it happen. So I'd like to get your thoughts for then in the moment when you're trying to to learn something to to build a skill you don't have yet. Are there any great perspectives in terms of of doing the learning best? Yes. So I would say you need to take your calendar and block it off. So what you want to do is be very realistic about the time you can spend. So look at the next seven days and actually schedule in little blocks for learning. And you have to be really realistic about it. Don't do it at the end of the day when you're going to be exhausted. Don't do it when you're supposed to be making the kids lunches. You have to be really realistic. And the first thing I'd suggest is getting up earlier. I have been waking up at 4.30 a.m. now for over a year. And it's been transformational in my ability to deliver. (laughs) And so if you can't find time the rest of the day, just try getting up half an hour earlier. And you'll be surprised. You can do it. And then use that time and focus. And then when you're done, say, I did it for today. and I'm just going to commit to doing it tomorrow. Um, So that's a really tactical thing. The other tactical thing is you have to recall what you've learned and then use it to build something. So if you're watching a video about something, you have to take notes and kind of engage. But then the immediate next thing you need to do is stop watching the video and actually take that knowledge and then reform it in a new way. So think about it like Lego. So you get a bunch of Lego and you pick up a piece of Lego that's like learning. And then you pick up another piece you've learned. You feel like you're learning, but you're just kind of picking up pieces. What you need to do is actually take those things and build something with it. And there's an actual chemical process in your brain where uh, synapses are formed when you take that knowledge and you use it to build something new. And it's really uncomfortable. It, it actually feels like working out. It's, it's not nice. You're like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I, I thought I learned something, but it, I'm trying to use what I learned and I feel like I don't know what to do. That's where you're actually learning. And you want to embrace that uncomfortable feeling because that, that is actually learning. And that means you're making progress. Well, so I'm intrigued, I guess, that now if it's a coding situation, oh man, I'm, I'll think back to my youth. <laughs> I did Q basic just a smidge. Nice, <laughs> nice, impressive. And, and so I, and so I'm thinking, okay, I learned like what uh, an if statement does, you know? Nice. So, okay. So it's like, okay, I learned that, but I read it from a book or something. And then you're saying, recall it, like use it in some format. Like, And so I would just maybe try to put that in there. So I guess I'm curious if we're talking about sort of non-tech skills, like let's say I learned, well, hey, on this podcast, you know, we had a guest who said you can calm your nerves before speaking by holding a cold bottle of water or something. Ah. Okay. That's something I learned. All right. <laughs> right. It's uh, a knowledge. Hey, so you're saying I should like, you know, go forth and like do that right away or, or what do I do? Sort of. So I think another skill that I've learned is selling. So I didn't think I was good at selling things. It made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. And then I thought, you know what? I bet I can learn how to do this. And so 
I watched a couple of videos about how to sell things. Okay. You, have, you know, you have to identify a target. You have to write a pitch, you know, you have to be consistent, et cetera, et cetera. And then the video stopped and said, okay, now you actually have to go write your own pitch for your own product and try to pick some people to sell it to. So you, you go from like imagining the work to actually doing the work and you'll feel really terrible at it, you know, because you don't know what you're doing. And most people quit at that moment because they say, I'm terrible at this. Like, and that's the whole point. You are terrible at it. And that's why you're learning. And that's why you're practicing. And you can't get good at it unless you get through that terrible part. I'm a fan of a guy named Ryan Holiday who wrote a book called Ego is the Enemy. And uh, one of the phrases he says all the time uh, is the obstacle is the way. And so getting through that uncomfortable period where you're writing that pitch and it seems terrible <laughs> and you think someone's going to laugh at you if you send it to them, that's the most important. That is the way. The obstacle is the way. Okay. So you write a terrible pitch and what do you do next? Then you send it and you probably get laughed at. Okay. <laughs> and knowing that that's going to happen uh, again is part of the process. So Coding is another good example. So you're going to learn a bit of code and you're going to make a very simple website and then you're going to put it on the internet and you're going to be ashamed of it. <laughs> and that is the process. And then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again until eventually you realize, actually, I kind of know what I'm doing here. And then what we actually encourage people to do to get in the tech industry is not to learn everything and then go apply for a job. We say, learn and build and learn and build and then build for a friend for free. So go to a local butcher shop and say, can I make your website for free? And that'll be uncomfortable and scary, but it's free. So, hey, what, what's the worst that can happen? You do it and they go, oh, that's okay, thanks. And then you go to another shop, you know, the florist, and you say, can I build a website for you for $100? And they're like, man, it's still pretty cheap. Sure. And you do it and then you realize, oh, I just got paid to do this. So you're building up your confidence slowly. And then you just keep doing that and raising your prices and raising your prices. And eventually you are a web designer, a web developer. And it was through that uncomfortable process. So uh, I think that's applicable to almost anything. Mm -hmm. oh, it's so funny. I'm not thinking... <laughs> I love a free developer right about now. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, uh, <laughs> hit us up. I mean, but, but that is the door. I mean, yeah. if you're willing to do a little bit of work and look a little bit dumb, there is nothing you can achieve. Ooh, there you go. That, that feels like a pulled quote, Ryan. It's true, right? It, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's one of the essences of life. I mean, I have two boys and I say this over and over to them. You know, they'll say something like, dad, I can't shoot a basket. I can't make it. And I'm like, well, that's because you haven't practiced. You know, no one gets good at anything unless they practice. And it's the same with, you know, getting a job, you know, getting a speaking gig, getting a raise. It's amazing what we can do if we're willing to do the work and look a little dumb during the process. Yes, I, I like that. Well, so, Ryan, this is a tricky a tricky point here in the midst of this. Now, at the same time, I think we as, as varied human beings have kind of different kind of levels of aptitude or or the levels to which this stuff come a given thing comes naturally to one versus another you know multiple intelligences and all that so in a way that, that's kind of a dangerous idea because it can 
you know, lull you into maybe some fixed mindset territory or, or you say, oh, well, I'm just not good at that. You know, so I guess I hear that that's, it's dangerous to uh, give too much credence to, to that belief. But, but nonetheless, there are some, some variations in, in our aptitude for stuff where there's a lot of good research suggesting that you'll get great results to the extent that you focus in on your strengths. So how do you navigate some of that tricky water? Yeah, that is hard. I think let's figure out what we're talking about here. There's kind of general skills that relate to getting a job or being successful at work or becoming well-known in your hobby. I think in general, aptitude is a very small indicator of success. I believe it's mostly about hard work and discipline. I think we way overcount natural skill or aptitude. Now, there's a certain reality here, right? So as a skinny white guy, am I going to be successful in the NBA? No. (laughs) My genetics just are not going to allow me to be very successful there. I should probably not try to spend 10,000 hours becoming the best basketball player in the world. But I could. I could try. But I think, though, with knowledge work, there really isn't a limit. If you're blessed and lucky to have normal cognitive ability and just a normal IQ, I think you can do almost anything. I really I really do. And uh, I think that's very empowering. So I just want to encourage people. Everyone who has done something amazing started off knowing nothing, and they didn't know what they were doing. So take heart. It's possible. And I don't want to be cheesy about it. It's not easy but it is possible. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking a little bit in the realm of, you know, if let's say we have 100 folks go to town trying to learn JavaScript with your world-class learning tool, Red Tree House. <laughs> you. you know, or I, I assume they are. I haven't checked it out myself in, in great detail personally, but uh, in, in due time, maybe. And, and so now it seems like folks are going to get a different level of distance or relative mastery than one another. And in some ways, hey, comparisons are odious, you know, compare and despair. I've heard it said. Uh, But in other ways, I don't know, is there an indicator maybe, or do you have any kind of rules of thumb for, hey, you know, we gave this a great effort. You've learned some things. You've been sharpened and developed in some in some cool ways. Yet, it seems as though pursuing another avenue of learning is going to be a bigger bang for your buck. Are there any sort of rules of thumb or guidelines you use there? Yes. So the major indicator is something called grit. Angela Duckworth actually wrote a book on this, and it's worth reading. And it really is the ability to continue when you get discouraged. I think that ability will be a large indicator of if you can be successful, but that's not a cognitive talent, right? It's not a, hey, I'm, I'm great at math. So this is people's largest misconception about coding is that it is computer science. It's just not. So most of coding is adding, is multiplication, is writing text, is, I mean, it, it's not even geometry. It's, it's not even algebra. It, it's actually writing a, it's more like writing a screenplay. It's very creative. You use words. There's some rules. You know, you got to put a period here and a semicolon there. But that's, that's it. So, yeah, I think grit. It's all about grit. And there's some interesting tests. Uh, Angela has one in her book, which is kind of, you know, useful as a starting point. Okay, understood. So it sounds like a bit you don't have much of a, a comment on the 
the, the, you're saying, hey, maybe they they do get farther in 100 hours, but whatever. It's the grit and persistence that's going to ultimately carry the day long term. Is that kind of what I'm hearing from you? It is. It's sort of similar to carpentry. And actually, there there are, I think, 10,000 open carpentry jobs in Portland, Oregon right now. So this belief that you know the trades are somehow not the place to get a job is false, number one. But Let's take carpenters. So we don't think of carpentry this way, where it's where we say, gosh, you know, we're going to have 100 people try to learn carpentry. Isn't it really only the top 10 that are going <laughs> to be good? Come on, I mean, come on, right? It's hard, right? Like, no, if you put in the hard work, you can be a great carpenter, right? So much of what we do at work now in the information age is it has much more in common with carpentry than it does with science, right? Yeah. So, well, I, I appreciate that, that analogy and, and metaphor there, you know, as a recent homeowner, you know, looking at a lot of just having great respect for the different intelligences of these craftsmen who yes. are, are doing stuff. It's like, wow, I don't know much at all about plumbing or electrical right. or about carpentry. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish know? I did. And so and it, it's very impressive. And so it sounds like you're saying, well, Pete, it's not so much that they are have grand aptitude toward plumbing and electrical of which you do not possess, right? <laughs> but rather they just dug in and spent the time, you know, learning and developing the skill set. Yeah. They put in the work and they developed mastery and you can too, if you really want. And this is the beauty. And this is why I'm so passionate about my job at Treehouse. It's because I'm alive at the right time in human history where there's an explosion of jobs, right? So if I was teaching some sort of skill where the, you know, there was just a couple jobs here and there, I wouldn't be as passionate, but there's going to be 1.3 million new developer jobs in America in the next 10 years. Only 400,000 are going to be filled by college grads. So we have 900,000 jobs that are available and anyone listening can get one. They just have to learn a skill like carpentry. It just happens to be at a computer. That's all. That's cool. Okay. Well, I'd love to dig, dig in a little bit more in terms of, you know, what that can look like at practice. So, hey, there's many programming languages out there. You know, what's your assessment of, you know, which ones are sort of the most in demand right now? You bet. So JavaScript is really, really hot right now. So and hot right now, JavaScript. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's the thing. But that probably means nothing to most people that are listening. So what I would suggest instead is that you start by learning how to build a simple website. Very simple, very approachable. You know, everybody understands what a website is. So start there. If you enjoy that process, then you can dig in and say, you know what? I kind of like using technology to create. Now I'm going to take a JavaScript basics course and build a really simple app. It's really fun because when you learn how to code, it almost feels godlike because what you're, you sit down at a computer with a blank screen and then in the end you build something that actually does something really amazing and you've sort of willed it out of nothing. And it's, it's fun. It's really creative. Yes. I like what you, the way you, you phrase that. And I felt similarly when with my modest, minor modest, you know, tidy programming accomplishments right. Or, right. or even creating, you know, something else, whether it's uh, a, a logo or a work of art through Photoshop or an assessment, you know, a questionnaire that it has, you know, power to yield insights, you know, for folks after having used it. It's uh it's cool. It's a thrill. Cool. Well, so then could you give us maybe a rough sense for, okay, if someone did want to pursue that and, and to have, 
you know, to know enough JavaScript such that a company would say, hey, hiring you would be valuable to us and not a pain in our rear because you're, you're holding us all back. Roughly how many kind of learning hours are we talking about here? So what we usually suggest is people think of it as a nine to 12 month journey where they're spending about one to two hours a day. So in that time, you cannot interrupt your life and stop everything, but yet still make progress. So what we usually tell people do is try something free. Treehouse has a free trial or Code Academy is an option. You know, there's a number of free things you can try. If something strikes you about it, oh, I think I like this, then dive in. We've got a really affordable option to start with if you want, but there's plenty of choices. And then do what I talked about earlier. Put it on your calendar. Commit to the daily work one step at a time and enjoy the progress as you go. And you can become a full-fledged web developer in 9 to 12 months. And then salary expectations-wise, we usually tell folks, you know, without previous paid experience, you can expect to earn about 55 k to start in that first job. And that's a very much kind of an apprentice-level, junior-level job. And then within five years, you'll be making between seventy dollars to $90,000 a year, sometimes even more. I mean, depending where you live, you could be making easily $100,000 or... If you're in crazy Silicon Valley, you could you know make two to three hundred thousand dollars a year. So um, the sky is really the limit. And is this two to three hundred dollars like legendary super developer? I think what is it, Marco Ament? I think he's the ultimate. I love Overcast so much for my podcast. Oh my gosh, he's great. He's like the grouchy old man of the internet. Um, <laughs> I think no. If you live in Silicon Valley, the, the kind of crazy thing is you can be a good solid developer with five years of experience and be making hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's just so much demand. Now, personally, I would not recommend going to Silicon Valley. You know, we're located in Portland, Oregon. A lot of our developers work from home, literally, you know, from home, like Denver, Colorado, and and uh, various places like that, because it's much more affordable. So the cost of living is way lower. So you can get a great job as a developer from almost anywhere. We have a lot of moms who are returning to work this way. You know, hey, my kids are done with school now or they're in school, I want a job, you know, but I still want to be able to pick them up from school. Becoming a developer is a great way to do that too. Okay. Nifty. Well, well, tell us any other pro tips on learning, skill acquisition, focus, motivation, the, the goods here. You bet. I really think it's important to find your why, the deep, deep reason that you want to do something. I've come back to this over and over again over the past year. I have a very deep why in Treehouse. I feel like it's the most important thing I'll ever do. So if you can find that, that will be the reason that you wake up at 4.30 or, or you do that hour of work even though you're tired. If you can't find that why, um, and I, you know, I didn't really find my why until I was about 32, I think you have to try to hold on to the faith that you can find it, that it's a process, it's a journey, and you're on the journey to finding that why and just to hang on a little bit longer hit me up on twitter i'm at ryan carson and say i'm looking for my why i need some encouragement you know and i'll i'll give you a high five emoji back and say keep going you know you you can do it 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 really is so important to dig in and try to find that why okay cool thank you well any any other thoughts before we shift gears and hear about a few of your favorite things no i think that daily discipline commitment to why is is really what I'm all about right now. So let's let's kick in the next section. All right, let's do it. Could you share with us a, a favorite quote 
something you find inspiring? The obstacle is the way, which is, we talked about it, Ryan uh, Holiday said that. It, it's been so key for me. And is he quoting a, a Stoic philosopher from back I think the day? So. Is that Marcus Aurelius or is one of the others? Uh... I think so. I'm pretty sure he stole it, but it's still great. <laughs> <laughs> and how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I really love Angela's work around grit. The idea of grit, understanding it and realizing it really can change trajectory of your life is fascinating. So would highly recommend her book. Any other books you highly recommend? I always say this and, and people laugh, but How to Win Friends and Influence People my mom made me read it when I was in high school. And I, I just thought, oh, mom, what is this? <laughs> it sounds like some sort of cheesy sales book. And it fundamentally changed my life because I, I realized, oh, I, I need to think about what's in it for other people. That's really a, the foundational principle in life. Um, so highly recommend that. If I can get a bonus one in there. Sure. We just went through some training from Franklin Covey called Speed of Trust. And uh, you know, I've done a lot of training in my life. And this was, I think, the most valuable. And that's from an organizational perspective. So if anyone is listening, is working inside a company or an organization, please check it out. I have no financial you know, reason to say that other than it was really, really helpful. And well, can you give us a, a taste? A little like, hint. <laughs> so what was the, the transformation or, or result that unlocked for you and how? You bet. So the foundation of the idea is trust is a multiplier for results. And so if you imagine this way, as you're listening to this podcast, close your eyes, think about a project that you worked on with someone that you didn't trust and think about how that project went. Well, I'm sure it went badly. Now, why is that? Why was trust so important? So the training digs in that. Okay, so obviously trust is going to be a hidden variable in your success. So how do you build trust with people? But if you don't trust someone, you want to build that. So it walks you through the foundations of what trust is. So I'll give you a little hint. So in order to trust somebody, you have to believe someone is credible. So what is, what is credibility? Well, they've broken it down into four concepts and it's a tree. So imagine a tree in the ground and it's got roots, it's got a trunk, it's got uh, branches and leaves. So to be credible, you have to have four things. The roots of the tree is integrity. So Someone has to believe deep down that you, you have integrity, that you will do what you say you do, that you're a good person. If you don't have that root, never build trust. Okay, so say you believe someone has integrity. The stem of the tree, the, the trunk of the tree, is the intent. You have to understand the intent of that person. So why are they doing this project? What's their real motive? What are they trying to get done? You know, Do you feel like you can know it and understand it? So that's intent. And so it doesn't have to be like, quote, good or bad, just that you know it and understand it instead of it's, it's a hidden, subversive thing. Is that the idea? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Just got to know it yeah, and believe that I'm you... I'm trying to get a fat the, bonus. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And All it's right. like, okay, if that's... Good enough. If that, <laughs> yep. Uh, now I know, right? And then the branches are capability. So you have to believe that person actually has the ability to deliver results, that they have the capability of doing so. You know, they have the skills, they have the time, et cetera. And then the final bit are the leaves, uh, which are results. Ultimately, you have to deliver results, right? You could have integrity. You could have clear intent. You could have the capabilities. But in the end, if you never actually deliver results, then you're not credible. And those four things, the tree makes up credibility, and you have to have credibility to have trust. So that's like the 
edge of the training, the rest is amazing because then they say, well, that's great, but how do you establish those things if you don't have them? And there's 13 behaviors of trust and you learn how to use them at the right times. It's just great. It was shockingly valuable. Cool. And so you saw in your own organization that uh, trust increased and results multiplied? It seems so. So we, we did this training two weeks ago. You know, Treehouse, we have about 70-ish employees. We got together for a company meetup in person because we're, we're a remote team. So we're spread around the United States. And as soon as we finished the training, the first thing we did is we all went back and did our, our one-on-ones with the people that we manage. And we asked them, hey, what? behaviors of trust do you need from me to help build trust? And we literally wrote them down. And it was really interesting to say, oh, wow, this person needs straight talk from me. That's one thing they said that the behavior they need from me. So I need to do that. So we're already seeing an uptick in trust. And it's it's just so exciting. It's great. Great. Yes. Cool. Well, thanks for, for going deep there. No problem. That's, it was sound like a big commercial from Franklin <laughs> Co- Covey, but it's Honestly, it was really good training. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I'm intrigued by by trust myself these days. And um, how's that for cryptic? (laughs) (laughs) Everything is okay, everybody. No need to worry. (laughs) Uh, All right. And then how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? Oh boy, I love my bullet journal. Do you know what bullet journals are? That's like a style of journal that makes helps you with like to-do lists or tracking things, but go unpack it for us. Okay, so... Here's, here's my method, and it really works for me. It's not a silver bullet, but what I do is in December, I plan my year using a Gantt chart. And they're really high-level things. Like, say I want to get three things done in 2018. What buckets are they? You know, So the first one is uh, the treehouse two-year vision. So, all right, that's, I got to move that forward. And then the second is family and friends. And the third is health. Okay, great. All right, and then I break that down eventually into these large rocks and roughly when I need to work on them. And then every day uh, when I wake up at 4.30, I immediately open that Gantt chart and I take what I need to be doing that day and I transfer it to written bullet points in my bullet journal. And it takes this large yearly planning and distills it down into, hey, what do I actually have to do today? (laughs) And then The thing I love about it is I'm such a digital person. My phone is always on. I'm always on a computer. Using a a written piece of paper to check off my to-dos for me is just so satisfying. And it's really focusing. I can like turn off all my screens and I just open my journal and I and I know what I gotta do. Um so that's that's one of my favorite tools. Love it. Oh, cool. And any favorite habits in addition? Habits. Uh, waking up at four thirty. I know I keep saying it, but you know, waking up early, I really uh, believe, is the beginning of success. And is there a particular nugget that you share that really seems to resonate, connect with folks, gets them retweeting and note taking and head nodding? I think it's uh, you know the the theme I've been kind of banging on about, which is you don't need a college degree to succeed in life anymore. You really don't. You don't need the debt. You don't need the outdated knowledge. You just need to go out and, and start stacking skills and build things and then show people what you build. That's the future. Okay. And if folks want to learn more and get in touch with you, where would you point them? Please go to either Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Ryan Carson, nice and simple, R-Y-A-N-C-A-R-S-O-N, or Google Treehouse. And you, I think we're number one and, and you'll find us there. Excellent. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yes. Hit pause 
as soon as we stop talking on this podcast and start thinking about your why, dig into that really hard. And uh, if you think you know it, tweet at me and Pete and tell us what it is. It'd, it'd be fun to hear that. And if you have pro tips for when you're doing that digging, prompts, questions to get the wheels turning all the more. Yes. What have I been consistently coming back to in my life? Where do I keep kind of being drawn to? What is that thing? You know, is it a person? Is it a cause? Is it a, an idea? Is it a dream? Go back to that. For me, it was, I just really want to help people. I really do. And I'm passionate about tech. So if I could help people learn tech, okay, yeah, that's my why. So dig into that. Dig into what you, what do you do when you have free time and you kind of pick something to do? What is that about? And start unpacking that. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for, for taking this time to, to share the goods. I wish you at Treehouse tons of luck and keep on living the why there. Thank you so much. It's, it's an honor to be on the show. It's been fun. I think Ryan really just dropped a huge master key for life right there when it talks about you're in the learning, you're doing something for the one of the first times, and you're terrible at it, you feel awkward, you feel dumb, you think you look dumb, and rather than interpreting that moment as, oh, I must suck at this, I guess I should give up and try something else, it's like, oh, no, 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 this is just what learning feels like, and the price associated with acquiring new skills and just a part of the process and to, in a way, even learn to embrace and enjoy that sensation of, oh, this is learning. So I thought that was super valuable. I hope you did too. And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep272. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. If you do, You'll catch our next guest. It's Gary Burdison. He is the CEO of Corn Ferry, which is an esteemed executive search and talent development company. I followed their work for a long time, so it's cool to chat with this guy. And it's nifty how their firm's research points to learning agility as being the number one predictor of CEO success. Learning agility. How about that? We were just talking about that. It's almost as though I planned it, but I really didn't. Anyway. Hope to get you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 